we've been doing this series, Charting the Course, and, and you know, when the, when the elders called and you guys affirmed us to come, it was like, okay, where do we start with messages? And, and it just seemed like it made a ton of sense to talk about what kind of church we are and what kind of church we want to be. That's what Charting the Course has been about. I'm going to come back there in just a second. Next week, we'll start this series called Life at the Lake. And Life at the Lake is going to be all about Jesus from the book of Mark. In the book of Mark, um, you'll, you, we'll talk about this, but you'll see Mark is just full of the actions of Jesus, of what he did in this place and that place and kind of how things went through. I would encourage you this week to just take some time and read through the book of Mark. It's 16 chapters. It's the shortest of what are called the Gospels or the biographies of Jesus. And uh, you'll be able to read it uh, maybe even once or twice this week and just begin to say, God, what do you want to say to us through the book of Mark? Good, good stuff. Um, the first eight or nine chapters all take place around the Sea of Galilee, the lake. And, um, and so that's, that's kind of where we're going with that. But, but when we started with this Charting the Course series, and uh, John kind of reviewed last week. I think review is good for the kids who are here, the little guys, um, teenagers that are up here this service, uh, to just kind of know where we've been. We've talked about what kind of church God wants North Point to be. And we talked first about being a church that's a church that's full of, of worship, a Second Chronicles 5 kind of place, a place where God's presence is just so clear in what we do here that people are drawn to God. Um, we just sang Our God is Greater, which um, that's, that for me is one of those songs that takes me into the presence of God because it, it reinforces how big God is, all the things that he can do, but who he is even more than that. That's a song that for me I associate with our son when he had heart surgery and we didn't know whether he was going to live or die. You know, when they're opening up his chest and working on his aorta, that song at that time allowed me to just have this sense of God's presence that God's big enough to do anything no matter what the, no matter what the results are. Um, we want to be a, a church full of worship. We talked about some questions in that. How do we worship on a daily basis? What, is it, what are the things that you can do to worship 24-7? Um, what's, when we worship, what's our heart show? We talked about that. We asked the question, who or what do we worship? We want to be a church that is known for the presence of God um, because when we encounter God, our lives change. This whole series, the Charting the Course series, is about life transformation. It's about how God can work in us to bring change. Second week, we talked about connection, about connecting, that, that we would be a place um, where people are involved in relationships because life change happens most effectively in the context of relationships. You've got to be in a life group. You've got to be in an accountability group. You've got to be in a relationship with people who are fo- serious about following Jesus that can, help you, um, that can help you live that out on a daily basis. Third week, we talked about service, about being a, a Matthew 25 kind of church, being the hands and feet of Jesus. We talked about, about going deep and, and not just wide about going long-term and not just short-term, about going time and not just money as we serve God. We talked about um, doing for one what you wish you could do for everyone um, because when we serve, God changes us. Our lives change. And when we collectively serve as a church, 
all of a sudden the community that, that surrounds us, that surrounds us, that we're a part of, begins to change too because they see us being the hands and feet of Jesus. Last week, John talked about prayer, being a church of prayer, being a John 15 kind of church. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches, that we're connected to each other, that we receive our life from Jesus, that we, that we live and breathe and work and pray, not out of overwork, but out of overflow, that it comes that, that Jesus works through us to that. That's the kind of church we want to be. I want to I just throw a, a couple of things in on the, on the prayer piece. Um, when, I, when I was putting that series together and thought, okay, what are the pieces? The, the prayer piece is so important to me because I want us to be a church, not just a church that prays, because we can pray about lots of stuff, but I want us to be a church that's, that's guided and led by prayer. John said that last week really, really well. It's easy for us to pray about stuff. It's easy for us to choose our own um, objectives, to choose what we want to do, and then pray that God would bless those. That's not the kind of church I want us to be. I want us to be a church that prays and then responds to God, that follows him. Um, No, please no, we need you, I need you to pray for me as lead pastor. We as as an elder, um, as a group of elders, need you to pray for us as leaders that we would be wise and discerning. Um, As as a staff, we need you to pray for us. I I had a a friend in... um, in Maryland that I met, a lady named Mildred Lewis. Um, I wish I had a picture of, of Mildred, but, but I don't. She is just what you would picture a woman named Mildred Lewis to look like. She was short, white hair. She's a grandma. She was about 83 when I first met her. And um, I, I met her through a Bible study that we did. She came to church. She was, she was one of those people that, that probably only three or four people in church knew her name. And we just became friends. It was a really cool thing. Um, I talked to her about getting involved, and um, and she said, "Crickets. Um, the the, the, the uh, it's okay. It's okay. Don't don't worry." Um, I talked I talked to her about being involved, and she said, "She said, Rick, I can't do anything. I'm 83. I can't hold things. I can't serve. I can't do stuff." And I said, "I said, Mildred, could could you could you hold babies?" And she said, "Oh, I'd be afraid I'd drop them." And I said, "If you were sitting in a rocking chair," And somebody put a baby in your arms. Could you hold them? She said, that would be the most wonderful thing in the world. And for the next, I don't know, two, three, four years, Mildred worked in the nursery. She never picked up a kid. Everybody always put babies in her arms. But our second daughter, Annie, was born that year. And, and Mildred became just a grandma to Annie. Um, my kids called her Grandma Lewis. Um, Mildred didn't have any money. She was a... She was a um, she was a widow of a coal miner. She lived on a coal miner's pension. Um, it, was, it was crazy how little money she had. She lived in subsidized housing. But when my kids had birthdays, she would send them a card and she would put in a dollar or she would put in $5. And my kids would look at it and say, a dollar? What can you buy with a dollar? And I said, you don't understand how much money that is to Mildred, to Grandma Lewis. That, that's a ton. Um, when we talked about what Mildred could do, um, and, and she said, I can't do anything. And we, we talked about the nursery. I said, Mildred, could you do one thing for me? And she said, yeah. And I said, could you just pray for me? Just pray for me. And she said, I, could, I can do that. And when she died about 10 years later, eight years later, I had this deep sense of grief 
um, because I lost a friend, but I also lost somebody that I knew was praying for me every day, all the time. If you went to that church, again, not very many people would have known who Mildred was, but she was huge in the kingdom of God. And I I would just challenge you, we, we want to be a praying church, a church that's guided and led by prayer. And that happens as each of us pray for each other, as you pray for us as leaders. And so uh, um, please do that. Um, today we're talking about destination. As, as I thought about, okay, what kind of church is it that I, that I want to be a part of? I want to be a church that's, that worship is just an incredible part of. I want to be a church where people are involved in relationships. I want to be in a church that... that um, that people are serving, be in the hands and feet of Jesus. I want to be in a church that prays. And, and here's the piece that I thought, you know what? This is the other piece that I, j- I want so desperately for this to be a hallmark of who we are as a church. I want North Point to be a place of grace and evangelism, a place where, a place where people who are far from God can come to know him a place where, where radical life transformation happens. People um, who, who are desperate for God, who are hopeless, who are broken, who are, their lives are a mess, that in this place, they know that they're safe. They know that it's a safe place to ask questions and to try and discover who God is. And it's a safe place for them to learn and grow. I, I love life statements. You know, when people, is able, when people are able to say, this is what my life is all about. You know what Jesus' life statement was? I, 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 he probably had several, but one of them that's so clear for me comes after he interacts with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He worked for the IRS. Everybody hated him because he could establish the, the rate of taxes. Um, he was despised. And he, you know, if you grew up in church, you know the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. He climbed up in the sycamore tree. The Lord, he wanted to see. And Jesus, when he sees Zacchaeus, he ultimately says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. And all of the religious leaders said, what's that about? How can you associate with this person that everybody hates, that's despicable, that's cheated us, that's gotten rich at our expense? And Jesus, came, Jesus said, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus' life statement was, I came to seek and save the lost. I, I desperately want that to be the heartbeat of who we are as a church. Because it's easy for us to say, you know what, God has been so faithful in North Point over the last 175 years. You know, so many people have grown. That's... The, the story of North Point is out in front of us. It's not behind us. It's the, it's the people that are, are far from God that are waiting to have a relationship with him. Um, the, the church that, that Deb and I went to when we were in college, the guy who was minister was a, mi- a former missionary to Africa. And he was this old guy that, that coming back from Africa had a difficult time kind of acclimating back to the culture in the U.S., um, but he, he was leading the church, great, great preacher. God used him in some, some great ways. And the church was growing. The, the church was reaching numbers that they'd never reached before. And I can remember Tom saying at the end of the, uh, the service each week, he'd say, isn't this incredible? Look at all the people around. Isn't this incredible? You know how many people we want at this church? One more. He said, and, and he wasn't saying it so the numbers could grow. He was saying we want one more because that one person 
that we want to come next week. That one person is your son or daughter, your brother or sister, your mom or dad. That one person is the next door neighbor or the person that you work with or the the person that you see at, at Speedway that's far from God. We, Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. And that's got to be who we are as a church if, if God is to have us be all that we can be. Um, today is uh, Family Sunday, really cool thing. And I've got a special guest that's going to come up in just a second. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 28. And while you're taking your Bibles out, Joy Relier is going to come up. Where's Joy? Come on down, Joy. I've got the joy, joy, joy up on the stage. Um, Joy is a fifth grader. Everyone say, hi, Joy. She's going to read for us Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am always, to, I'm always with you to the end of time. Great. That's, you did great. Give it up for joy. If... Um, if you're a student or a kid, one of the things that adults do in worship, you, you may never really know this, but sometimes they take notes. And so if you've got a piece of paper around, this is your one time if your mom and dad have said, oh, don't write on the offering envelopes, you can do that. Take out an o- envelope. I'm going to give you seven things to write down. Adults, kids, everybody alike. And it's all in this context of being a church that's a place of grace and evangelism. The first three things are all connected together to this passage of scripture to Matthew 28 the great commission the the three things are this as we think about sharing our faith as we think about being a place where people who are far from God can come and connect with him um, the the first is this just write the word go scholars say that that Greek word can mean as you go it it gives it this sense that as God directs your paths something's supposed to happen and Jesus says Go, teach, baptize, teach. There's a process that happens, and and the the, uh, second word you can write is process, and then you can just add some notes in there that say teach, baptize, teach. There's a process that happens of somebody who's far from God coming to know him. That involves being taught. It involves making a decision, a, a response to God, and then being taught more. It's not the kind of thing that when as soon as you make a decision, everything's done. There's a teaching process that happens. That's why the connection piece is so critical. So there's this sense of go, process, and then the presence of Jesus. Jesus said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the earth. You know what's crazy is when we start to talk about evangelism, um, when we start to talk about sharing our faith, when we start to talk about what Jesus is doing inside us, it's really easy for the person on stage to start to talk and for lots of people's hands to start to get sweaty. Your feet start to get sweaty. You think, ah, I don't know if I can do that or not. The promise is that Jesus has said, I'm going to be with you always, even 
to the end of the age. That's an incredible promise. And, and so our, our uh, purpose, what, what Jesus has given us, these are the last words that he spoke on earth before he went up into heaven. Think about that. His last words to his disciples were to say, go, teach, baptize, teach, and I'm going to be with you always, even to the end of the age. That's a pretty incredible promise. Um, why is it that we don't share our faith very often? Um, I think there's, there's lots of things that get in our way. We think about ourselves a lot. But even more than that, I, for me, I, it makes me think, do I, do I believe eternity is real? Do I really fundamentally believe that what the Bible teaches about heaven and hell is real? That they're real places that when I die, I'm going to be in one of those two places. And that the only way to go to heaven is through Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. It's not about being a good person. It's not about doing enough good stuff. It's only through Jesus that we can have that relationship that puts us in God's presence for eternity or not in God's presence. Do I really believe that? And do I really care about the people who are around me, the people that I have relationships with, the people that God leads me into relationships with? Because if I do, if I believe eternity is real and I really love the people that are in my life, it's crazy to not be talking about eternal things with those people. Most of the time, when we think about evangelism, we think of it in kind of a project kind of mentality. Oh, I need to go evangel. I need to go share my faith. I need to go do this because that's what I'm supposed to do as a follower of Jesus. The next four things I'm going to share with you, I think, turn that upside down because it's not that hard. It's, it's really a pretty simp- simple process. Uh, let, me give you, let me give you these four things and, and flesh them out. First of all, um, it's back to the prayer thing. Be sensitive and listen to the Holy Spirit. When you, when you, when you think about sharing your faith, just be sensitive to the people around you. Be sensitive to the to the um, to what God is doing and listen to the Holy Spirit. God will lead you into conversations that you couldn't create on your own if we're sensitive to them. If you wake up each day and say, God, who do you want me to interact with today and on what level? God is going to open doors for you to talk about Him in some incredible ways. Second thing to write down, be authentic and really care about the people around you. Just be real. Um, so much of the time, we think that we've got to have all the answers, that we need to know all of the scripture. We, you know, we've got to have all that stuff on the top of our heads, and it's a, it's a really good thing to do that. That's what God calls us to as we walk in relationship with him. But God's going to create opportunities for us to just be ourselves and, and, to, uh, and to really love the people around us. Third thing, be willing to get outside of yourself for the sake of eternity. 
we tend to operate in our comfort zone. We tend to have people in our lives that are, look like us, sound like us, care about the same things that we do. And if we're to, if we're to follow Jesus, we've got to be willing to get outside of ourselves. I'm going to tell you a story about that in just a second. And, and then fourth thing, be yourself and, and, and share your story. Be yourself and share your story. Again, so much of the time we think that we've got to have all the answers and, and the people that we're in relationship with, all they really care about is what's happening in our lives. It's, it's not a bunch of content. They just want to know, do you really believe it or not? Are you really living it or not? Is it making a difference or not? Do you really have hope or do you just talk about hope? Um, I want to share... Um, I want to share three stories. Uh, Five weeks ago, the first week that Deb was up here, uh, last week of July, after after church, we're trying to figure out what to do. You know, new place. What's what's our new protocol? And so, um, so we went out to lunch with John and Courtney Furden, the uh, children's minister. Where you want to go? We went to Applebee's down on Lake Lansing Drive. Um, road, thank you, Lake Lansing Road. Thank you, Marcy corrected me first service. So we, we go to Applebee's, and, and our waitress that day is this spunky little chick about this, this tall with kind of spiky, messy hair um, named Miranda. Lots of fun. She's giving us grief. We're giving her grief back. In the midst of our conversation, ordering our meal, um, she tells us that, uh, sorry, not that slide yet. That's not, that's not Miranda. Sorry about that. Um, she tells us that, um, that she's moving too. And so we start exchanging moving stories, just create this conversation. Um, lots of fun. I think that day she told us that she's in a band. She's in a band called Randy and the something or other. She's the, she's the lead vocal for this band that does 80 covers tunes. So we talked about music stuff. Really cool. Lots of fun. Um, end, end of the Miranda story until next Sunday when we are going out to eat with the Seegers. After church, where do you want to go? Well, we don't want to go here. Don't want to, why don't we go to Applebee's? So we go back to Applebee's, same section. Miranda's our waitress again. Hey, you know, it's like for her, oh yeah, some recognition. Then she starts remembering stuff, talking through everything. And we have more extended conversation. And in that meal, um, I say, yeah, we moved here because I'm the lead pastor at North Point. And, um, and, do you, do you go any place to church? Do you have any kind of church connection? She says, she says, you know what, I really need to find a church. So don't have a card at that point. But we talk about North Point and say, okay, seed planted, we'll see what happens. Uh, the next week we went someplace else to eat. And then last week we go back to Applebee's and, um, and uh, have a chance to talk to Miranda. And this time she said, I said, do you remember? And she said, Strawberry lemonade, you're going to do the key lime chicken. Uh, it went, went through the whole deal. I don't know what God has in store. I don't know what God has in store. But I, I do know we're going to keep going back there and we're going to go hear her band play. Because um, she's fun. She's just lots of fun. And she needs Jesus. You know, we, we, we really like her. Okay? It's, we're, it's not a project. We don't have to pretend. She's just fun. And I think that God's going to do something cool in her life. So everyone today, after this service, go to Applebee's and ask to sit at Miranda's table, in Miranda's tables, um, and just say, 
He talked about you today. Um, uh, she, she has my card now, and so who knows what's going to happen out of that. One story. Second story. Is that, is that clock right? Okay. Oh. oh. It, just so you know, there's a, there's a clock up there that says when I'm supposed to be done talking, and it says I'm supposed to be done in two minutes. That's not right, is it? Is it right? No, it's not. Seven? Okay, good. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Second, second story, uh, a couple weeks ago I was, I'm, I'm at Walmart getting the oil changed and, um, and take the van in and long story short, it takes the lady who's processing, in, processing us in 15 or 20 minutes. It's like incredibly long. Um, from the time that she goes out to get the VIN number off the van and come back, it's like forever. And and I said, is everything okay? And and she said, said, as a matter of fact, um, one of my family members is missing and I'm really distracted right now. And, uh, And I said, oh man, I'm sorry to hear that. And the Holy Spirit was saying, pray for her now. So I'm praying, you know, pray like, Tell, stop and tell her you're going to pray for her. And I didn't. You know what? I didn't. And there was no reason not to. I didn't have to say I'm a pastor. I didn't have to say anything. Else. I just should have prayed for her there. Now, two hours later, we come back, pick up the van, and I say, hey, what's happening? Did they, did they find your family member? She said, actually, yeah, they did. Thanks for asking. Um, he was at somebody else's house. Nobody knew where he was. Everything's okay. I, I missed a huge opportunity because I wasn't sure what to do. And it was simple. It, was, it just was simple. Third story is this. Um, when we moved to Maryland a whole bunch of years ago, the family across the cul-de-sac from us um, had a little girl named Emily. Now you can put their picture up. And um, she was the same age as our oldest daughter. And uh, Joe and Kathy were far from God. Um, they had just come, they had been married not too long before that, five or six years. Um, they had lived far from God for a long, long period of time. Um, Joe was an auto mechanic. He was probably the first auto mechanic that I ever really met and knew. Um, he loved cars, that's what he did. He's big dealership uh, in Washington, D.C., He's their lead mechanic guy. He has tools for everything. Uh, his, his motto is work smarter, not harder. And smarter usually means getting a bigger tool to do any kind of job. Um, Joe loved or loves NASCAR. I didn't know anything about NASCAR. Um, Joe loved to hunt and fish. He had a cabin up in West Virginia. Um, they, he would go there deer hunting all the time. I didn't know anything about hunting or fishing. Um, and the worst part about Joe was that he didn't like football. How can, how can someone not be a football fan? Not college football, not pro football. Joe, Joe was all about hunting, fishing, and NASCAR. I had to make a decision in, in our friendship whether I determined my relationship with Joe by his not liking football and not sharing football with me, or whether I learned how to hunt and fish and learned about cars. Um, now, you probably are asking, okay, you don't know anything about cars, 
hunting or fishing, what are you doing in Michigan? Um, I don't know. Um, God has a funny way of doing stuff. But there was an incredible, there was an incredible friendship that happened as I began to learn about NASCAR. As I learned about hunting and fishing, I went away for a weekend with Joe to his cabin. We fished, took the girls fishing that weekend, shot the guns, did the whole deal. Um, had lots of fun. And Joe and Kathy's lives opened up to us in a really incredible way. Through that process, we lived there 12 years, Joe and Kathy came to a relationship with Jesus that has it's changed everything for them. They're leaders in the church there now. Um, God used us because we really cared about them. We loved them. We, we, um, we had to make a decision in the, in the process of that relationship whether they um, came to us on our terms or whether we came to them on their terms. We, we had to decide whether we were going to talk about spiritual things as though they understood them when they were far from God. And you know what? They did because God put in every person this deep desire for him. People who are far from God still are dealing with spiritual stuff on a regular, daily basis. And when you start to share your story with them, when you start to share your life with them, they will be drawn to Jesus in an incredible way. So much of the time we think, you know, I don't know what to say. That the easiest thing in the world is for me to talk about Deb and my kids, my family. That's the easiest thing. I could talk about them in any kind of situation. You know what? It's a very easy thing for me to talk about the greatest baseball team ever, the 1975-76 Cincinnati Reds. After first service, everybody said, no, it's the 84 Tigers. No, it's the 68 Tigers. I know I'm in the Tiger country. It's easy for me to talk about the Reds because they were the best team ever, right? <laughs> it's even easy for me to talk about the Ohio State University <laughs> in a hostile environment. And so, you know, I watched the Michigan State game uh, whenever it was, Friday night, the Thursday night, um, and watched the Ohio State game too. Um, why is it, why is it that it's easy for us to talk about our families? It's easy for us to talk about our sports teams. It's easy for us to talk about work. And it's hard to talk about Jesus, what he's doing in our lives. It's mostly because Satan says it's going to be hard. And it's not. If God is working in your life, tell his story. Tell it to other people. Um, Band, come on up. I've been, I've been listening to a book on um, CD that's about how we got the Bible. And, I, and this, this last week I've been listening to a section about the monks and, um, and how they notated Scripture, copied it over and over again. And I, I was thinking about this message and thinking about, you know what, we tend to think that the, that the climax, the epitome, the, the apex of what it means to live spiritually is to live the life of a monk where we don't deal with temptation where we're removed from all of the world stuff. We, we just, you know, we're, we're so tight with Jesus that all that stuff doesn't exist. That's what the monks tried to create. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. Jesus was in a relationship with people. And that's what God calls us to. 
We're going to sing in just a second, and, and let me just challenge it. It may be that as we sing, you just need to sit and take out that piece of paper and write some names of some people. Kids, teenagers, there may be people that God has put in your life that you just need to write their name and say, God, help me get in a conversation that you can lead through this process. It may be that, that as we sing and pray, that, that, you're, that there are people in your minds right now that you can readily identify. God, please, please, I've been praying for my brother forever. I've been praying for my husband or wife. I've been praying for my kids. While we sing, pray. Pray that God would open up those doors. It may be that, you're, that you really are just kind of not even at the brand new stage in your walk with Jesus, that you're like, you know what, I'm here because somebody made me come, or I'm here because I got questions and I don't, I don't know that I buy it all. Know that as we sing, all you have to do is just, is just talk to God and say, God, help me figure it out. Um, feel free to come talk to me. Uh, talk to John or Chris or Courtney or one of the elders or life group leader or, or just after the service say, can somebody talk to me? Because I want to have the right kind of relationship with Jesus. We're going to stand. May God make us a church that brings lost people to him.